We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. To the Rotowire NBA podcast where this week uh, and for I think the foreseeable future. We are sponsored by DraftEasy.com. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha, uh, as I always, uh, who I guess always joins me on Tuesdays. It is January 9th. We have a lot to get to today. Uh, we're going to talk about Nikola Mirotic, who last time we saw him was throwing up on the sidelines of the Bulls game earlier this week. Um, Basically, we want to, let's just dive into that right away. So the big news yesterday, and, and I hesitate even to maybe call this news, but whenever Woj writes a, a full-length piece, it's going to be news. And this one, which uh, went up on ESPN.com on Monday, didn't really break any news, didn't really reveal anything overly profound. You know, most of the, most of the tidbits included in this article, which, which most of you have probably read by now, you know, nothing groundbreaking, uh, but it just kind of, you know, rekindles that conversation as, as the deadline does approach, you know, now that we've moved into 2018. Um, and what was kind of highlighted a few guys who might be on the block, a few teams who might be buyers, a few teams who might be sellers. Uh, but we'll start with 
the player that Woj features first in that article, DeAndre Jordan. So, you know, we, we've talked in, in previous podcasts, Alex, about teams like Cleveland, for example, who have finally the, the assets to make a splashy type of deadline move. And certainly there will be other teams who might not have the Brooklyn pick or the contracts that Cleveland could, could potentially move, but other teams uh, that are going to want to make deals. And there aren't that many guys out there right now who you could realistically imagine being dealt, you know, big, big time impact guys. Um, but one of those guys is DeAndre Jordan. And, you know, part of that depends. We'll see how the next few weeks go for the Clippers. You know, now that Blake Griffin is healthy, if he can stay healthy, if the Clippers can linger around the playoffs, you know, I don't necessarily see them rushing to sell DeAndre, but let's say Blake gets hurt again, or, you know, these other injuries that continue to mount up are just too much to overcome. They sink back a little bit. Then it's very easy to see them, you know, kind of trying to get whatever they can for DeAndre Jordan before he hits free agency. Woj mentions the Bucks uh, as a potential landing spot for DeAndre Jordan, you know, uh, being here in Wisconsin, being guys who follow Bucks Twitter, things like that. That's no surprise. Um, right. It's just a matter of if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, what are you willing to give up for essentially what's probably a half year rental of DeAndre Jordan? Yeah, and I can't I can't see the Bucks giving up much other than I mean, and I don't even know why the Clippers would necessarily do that at that point. Like I guess if they really want I don't even like they really want like Sean Kilpatrick or like Well, well that's the mean? thing. Like, Maybe we should start there. What if you're the Clippers, what are you looking for? You know, in in the scenario I guess that you're dealing Jordan you're kind of throwing in the towel on the 2018 season. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're probably not looking to bring back veterans or anything like no. that. You know, the Bucks don't have any super valuable future picks really of their own or of another team. And even their young players aren't, like, their really young players aren't in particularly impressive. Like right. Sterling Brown, Rashad Vaughn, DJ oh. Wilson, like, are no, these guys... No, no. Right, know? well, yeah, they don't have, they don't have you know, a, an ex-number three overall pick you know, yeah. sitting there, I guess, unless you want to count Jabari in that, you know, that's kind of the, that's the, the real, the real asset that could swing these type of deals. Right. And because like you said, they have, the Bucks have a lot of nice pieces. You know, you could, you could even count Henson, Brogdon, Thon Maker, who has not looked good, but still has some upside, but none of those guys as, as an individual asset are enough that they would really be like the piece of a DeAndre trade. So in that scenario, you might have to deal two or even three of those guys together to get DeAndre, which I don't think the Bucks want to do because all of a sudden then you have no depth. Um, but Jabari Parker is is kind of sitting there as as that option. I don't know that the Bucks view it that way, but it's it's an it's an intriguing possibility nonetheless. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean I feel like the Bucks to do the trade would need some sort of like promise or DeAndre Jordan would have to like sign an extension at like immediately because i don't think the bucks would give jabari parker away for a half season rental i don't think so either i don't i mean they've to their credit they have not given any indication that they're willing to deal jabari for deandre jordan no. you know let alone anyone else but i i just can't see the bucks doing that half year rental thing unless it was to maybe get off john henson's contract because yeah. that's a lot of money for like and i i don't want to say like john henson isn't an nba player or anything like that but he's way overpaid are you, wait, are you suggesting that DeAndre is better than John Henson? I actually am suggesting that. Okay. Um, right. So unless the Bucks feel like their best move is like essentially salary dumping their starting center, John Henson, for a half-year rental of DeAndre Jordan and hoping they convince DeAndre Jordan to stay, and then if they don't, then they still remain. The Bucks would be actually one of the few teams with cap room next year 
right. who could make some moves in that case. But I just don't know if the Clippers feel like John Henson is worth it. No, no. I, and I think in order to do that, I don't know how they feel about John Henson, the player, but they w- it would never be a one-for-one swap. You know, you'd have to attach maybe yes. a Brogdon or a Maker or a couple future picks in order to get that. Even though DeAndre's expiring, the Clippers are the team that still holds the leverage here. Yeah, I just don't know how confident I would be if I was them that he would come back. I mean, I guess, like, I don't know where he would go. I just... Are you saying the Clippers or the Bucks? The Clippers, sorry. Yeah, well, I think that's I think that's kind of the goal in trading him, right? Is you're trying to avoid losing him for nothing. Yeah, and because, I don't know, like, it's pretty clear he's not a number two option. And so unless the Clippers feel like mm-hmm. they can retain him for the next three or four years and then completely restructure their team, which they can kind of do. I'm looking at their, like, salary or their, like, books right now on basketball reference and basically in 2019 20 the only people they have guaranteed under contract are blake gallo and the rookies Mm -hmm. so they'll have basically a completely clean slate then but it's like well then if they give deandre jorgen a max contract then you start running out of options again i just i've they're they're kind of they're at possibly a turning point i guess as a franchise like right now yeah, I think so, and I, th- I think that was really set into motion the summer yeah. with, with all the Chris Paul stuff, and you know, forcing them to to kind of make that call. It, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, outside of Milwaukee, you know, maybe that's not the destination for DeAndre. You know, who else would maybe be in on that? You need it. Kind of needs to be a team like Milwaukee that I think probably had to to this point in the season slightly higher expectations for itself. Uh, I think certainly fans did, and and a lot of pundits probably did as well you know, it needs to be that team that feels like it needs another piece. And to me, you have to look almost almost exclusively in the East for yeah. that because in the West, the top three are pretty established. You know, I mean, a team like OKC obviously doesn't really have the willingness or the flexibility necessarily to, to add a player like DeAndre. And, you know, I think in the East, people look at the Cavs being a little vulnerable. They just got beat by 30 last night against Minnesota. I don't think people right. are totally sold on the Celtics. Like I could see that there are three or four other teams in the East that could maybe talk themselves into, you know, needing being one piece away from making the conference finals. I agree because there's most of the teams in the West, I feel like have a very established center. And if they don't, they're not really in a position to get one. Like the, the warriors have like Zaza and Jordan Bell, but Jordan Bell's been playing really well. The Spurs are obviously set with their front court. Houston has Clint Capella. Like you can go down the list, but in the East, like Boston, right. They have Al Horford, but he can play just as much for, and theoretically, you could put DeAndre at the five, and that would be that would be crazy. Um, I kind of I'm kind of looking at like Washington mm-hmm. because they're struggling a little bit with Gortat is getting older and not playing as well, and Mahinmi isn't really a great op- like you know playing him 24 minutes a game isn't great. You're being too nice about this. Yeah, Mahinmi is not good. John Henson might not be good. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so if I, I could see Washington doing that because you paired if you paired DeAndre Jordan with john wall and bradley beal and then you have mm-hmm. porter shooting threes and marky morris is still there maybe they would be willing to give up like sataransky and picks or Ubre. that's or the thing with washington is you're not getting that deal done unless you include Ubre or porter i think as at the minimum you obviously you're not going to give up beal or wall but they're in the same position as the bucks you know i think Ubre is is kind of like their version of, of maybe a malcolm brogdon um right. you know Otto porter is kind of their chris middleton where it's like a team like that that's so top heavy and then again i think the bucks kind of fall into that category too if you're giving up one of those guys to get deandre 
I don't know how much better that makes you. You know, you're losing, if you're losing a key piece to gain another key piece, at the end of the day, you might just come out even. And that's how I would see that being for Washington. Although I do agree, like just in terms of teams that are semi-contenders, like they are six games above 500, as we record on Tuesday, they could use the huge upgrade at center. It's just, I don't know what they give up. They don't have a pick this year, right? Because they gave it up for Bogdanovich last year. They did that, didn't they? Right. Not that it would be a great pick, but still, I mean, that's something. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he just walked for nothing, which theoretically that DeAndre was, could do. In that was situation. bad at the time, and yeah. looks worse now. I mean, I yeah, theoretically, I like I like DeAndre to Washington, but I have a hard time feeling like they would get away with doing it without giving away Kelly Oubre yeah. in the process. And I don't know if I was them, I would think about that because you figure if you have that essentially, I mean, you would have a very like lined up core of five mm-hmm. players that you could just do you could maybe just like cycle veterans on your bench the rest of the time and like right well that's the thing if your top four is john wall brad beal otto porter deandre jordan right there's not many teams in the east there's really only two teams in the east i think that can kind of come close to that but then you said you know the rest of your roster is kind of a joke i mean uber has basically carried that bench i mean their bench is all right i mean other than uber their bench is bad and and the thing is like i like uber a lot and you know a lot a lot of people do but he's also not you know he's not brandon ingram right and i'm not even big the biggest brandon ingram fan but you know it's not like he's this a plus asset that you'd be giving up on no to to get deandre and washington also is not milwaukee in the fact that you might be able to resign deandre there i mean he's a texas guy i don't don't know if there's really any reason to believe he would prefer dc you know over over one of the other teams that could offer him that money i don't even know if they have the flexibility to do that i'm gonna guess they don't probably because of that Mahimi contract because of the money right the the money that they have tied up in those other three guys but just from a pure where's the most fun place for DeAndre to land I think that's probably it yeah um the more I think about it the more I like it but yeah you know it's I mean I just I just can't imagine like the Clippers getting a lot out of anybody like I can't imagine them getting more theoretically than like Oubre and maybe like Sadoransky and like some pick down the line from mm. the equivalent of that from any other team, just because it could end up being a half year rental. So unless a team gets a promise from DeAndre Jorgen, like, Hey, I'm, I'll sign like a two or three year extension. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. You know, I don't either. Um, and what about San Antonio? I don't know that they really have the assets. Can't, I can't imagine that deal really happening. Um, it would it would be like that would be interesting because he doesn't feel like right. a he doesn't feel like a spur no not at all um yeah unless they were willing to give up like Kyle Anderson yeah well that's the thing with with San Antonio is they have a lot of like pretty good assets but no no really attractive like they don't have anyone that I think they would value as high as Kelly Oubre no but the, you have like four or five guys who are kind of a step below that so if you package two or three of them then maybe you have it I mean if you go like patty mills to make the money work kyle anderson and like Dejounte murray does that do it um i th- maybe is that yeah. too much i don't, I don't know i don't you know never really know like we don't know how good these guys actually are because they've only played for the spurs yeah and you know the spurs draft picks are never are never worth anything like no. the only they're worth the most of the spurs because the right. spurs are really good at drafting exactly but if you hand the 25th pick to any other team mm-hmm. they're probably gonna screw it up mm-hmm. so true. who went 25 this last year i want to say it was tyler Lydon. so Yes, confirmed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a few other spots. I mean, Portland is interesting, um, but you know they kind of they kind of made that trade last year to get Nurkic. You know that was I mean, he's not DeAndre, but that was kind of their version of that. 
you know, other teams, I mean, I, Cleveland, you could make it work. But but again, I don't I don't really know what that deal looks like. Toronto's probably fine as is the way. I mean, I yeah. don't really see. I don't think they see themselves as in a position to Un- unless they make a move. Unless they want to get rid of Valanciunas and get DeAndre in return, because I don't think they want Valanciunas's money. I think I, if they if they could do that, I think they would in a heartbeat. I think they would consider that because um, I mean DeAndre next to Serge Ibaka would be crazy, um, and that would really put them. I don't, I don't want to say, like, decidedly over Boston. Actually, it probably would. That would put them over Boston um, to me. Yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of the same scenario with Washington where, you know, that top four becomes Lowry, DeRozan, DeAndre Jordan, and Serge Ibaka. Yeah. And and with a better bench than you'd have in Washington. I agree. And I just went through the trade machine. Um, I didn't realize uh, Jan Mahimi was making $16 million. Oh, yeah. so For the next couple of years, Yeah, too. Oubre and Mahimi for DeAndre goes through, like, like just, like, like cake like just right through the trade <laughs> like if, machine if that's on the table i think i think washington would really have to consider that i don't yeah. think they i don't think they're looking to, sh- to move Ubre, but you know to get deandre and then get off of the mahimi contract right or i just or, don't or i just don't know the clippers are, are they're not they're not really in a position to take on money are they like they still have blake they still have gallinari like they're still even if they throw it in for this year I don't think they're looking and looking at this as like a five year rebuild, you know? Not not after they signed Blake. It's see, yeah, and that's the thing. It's hard to view they're it as stuck a rebuild. In, they're kinda of doing both, yeah. Yeah. You and that's a problem. I don't think yes, you it can is. I don't think you can. No really team do has both. really ever done that except for Boston. And that right. was under the most extenuating of circumstances. Yeah. So I I d I don't know what I would do if I was the Clippers. I suppose you try to get something for DeAndre and maybe I don't know, maybe they're not convinced that this thing has run its course mm-hmm. and but you know he does have a player option, um, twenty four million dollars. DeAndre does, so he, maybe he would just choose to opt into that. But I think he thinks he's a max player, and so I, who even knows? I'm not sure that he is. But mm-hmm. so Woj also mentions another Clipper, Lou Williams. Right, uh, he's kind of in this situation every year. It seems like. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, I mean, there's you could. He he's a lot easier to trade. I think you know just being you know, a lower profile. He's not, he's not the quite the asset that Deandre Jordan is. And he's only making $7 million. Right. I mean, he's infinitely easier to trade. And, and I think you could, you could come up with like 25 spots. That makes sense. Yeah. For Lou Williams. I don't even, you could. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, well, every team. Right. So they could, I mean, they're, they'll probably get, they should get, you would get more for a Lou Williams trade than a Deandre potentially. Mm, depends just because you could maybe leverage more teams against each other yeah um and from that perspective yeah i feel like for deandre you're only you may only be leveraging like two or three teams true yeah that's very true especially given the type of player and there's only so many teams that want deandre that type that either don't have one of those guys or are in a position to add one for half a season any team can use a lou williams yep you know, um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, he's the type of guy that could get you a first, right? If if I think if, so, if, Bo- if if Bogdanovich gets you a first, <laughs> if Bojan Bogdanovich, that's get all you they a have to say first. is like just just hold up, like a, just print off that trade and like look. I mean, this guy's four times better than yeah. Bogdanovich. Um, let's see what else. Oh, the other interesting thing I want to I want to touch on uh, from this article before we move on. Woj goes in on the Lakers um, and what they're going to do. Uh, according to to Woj, in his own words, the Lakers have quote made it clear that Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, and Larry Nance are available. 
And I'm pretty sure Luol Deng's available. I would imagine. I would. Something tells me. I, have, I don't have official <laughs> sources on that, but I think if someone wants him, he's available. I mean, we've talked about this over and over. Deng, Deng's contract is really handicapping what the potential for this roster could be yeah. because all the talk of multiple superstars coming to L.A. this summer is very viable, but that all hinges on them being able to find a taker for this Deng contract. And in order to do that, which I think eventually they will, the expectation is that they will find a taker, but that taker is also probably going to demand Lonzo or Ingram or a combination of the three guys I just right. mentioned. Um, and s- s- clearly they'd rather trade Randall, Nance, or Clarkson than than Kuzma, Ingram, or Ball. But, we'll, I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if any of these three guys are, to you, are any of them whether they're packaged together or, or singular, are they attractive enough for a team to be willing you know, to take on whatever else is owed to Luol Deng, tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm scared to look. I, I was just about to look before I made some old prediction, but I could see, I mean, it's going to end up being like we saw the the Mozgov and D'Angelo Russell yep. trade go through the net. So it would probably have to be a team like that. Um, and Luol just, Deng's owed $37 million, fully guaranteed uh, for 2018, 19, and 1920. That was a problem. It's a problem. It's a you, lot of money. So I guess maybe a team that trades for him would hope that maybe they could get a buyout. I don't know, but like, well, that's the thing is like you're buying out two years of that contract. Yeah. I think I think the Lakers could always stretch him <laughs> if it came down to it, but that's a lot of money to stretch. That's a lot of time to be doing that. It is. So I could see. I mean, so you probably have to look at just like the bottom feeders right now. Like you could maybe see like Atlanta doing it. I could see phoenix maybe doing it this is not a list you want to be on no it's not this is a yeah this is a list you don't want to be on although i could see phoenix like they have a nice they have like a decent young core i could see them being like well we think we can be too competitive in three years to even give this a shot but like atlanta is so bad that i could see them like well we'll take on luol dang to throw julius randall into the mix or yeah clarkson i think if it's gonna be if there's just no takers for Clarkson, Randall, or Nance, and it comes down to teams, yeah, I don't know, are, I mean, are the Hawks, Memphis. Grizzlies, Magic, are they all going to collude and be like, all right, nobody <laughs> nobody do this deal unless you're getting Ingram, Ball, or Kuzma? Like, at, if that's the case, I think this doesn't happen until the summer, you know, until the Lakers ha- have at least more of an inkling that, you know, two superstars are coming, whether that's LeBron and PG, LeBron and Cousins, George and Cousins, whoever that might be. Like that would be a very risky deal to make now. Like let's say they in two weeks they deal Luol Deng and Brandon Ingram to Atlanta, you know, for for some just throwaway return. Like at that point, all your eggs are in the we're getting a superstar basket, and it's still, you know, it it still seems up in the air right now whether that'll actually happen. Yeah, I don't <clears throat> like. I'm not. I'm not super convinced LeBron will go to LA or anything. I wouldn't be like betting on it if I was. LA. I think PG is going to go. I mean, his comments last week, which those I think I think those came out right after we recorded. That was very yeah. weird, right? Like, I mean, I don't. I don't care what situation you're in. Like, you almost never see an athlete handle those questions the way he did. It, it was clear he wanted it, and so like it, it made me feel like even if he does stay in OKC, because part of me thinks like if this does work out really well, that he will stay. But it could be one of those things where he's like he like signs like a two year deal. And then he's like, well, yeah. you know, I think he's making the- he's making his w- way to L.A. in the next two or three years for sure. Right. I would still bank on it being this summer, like unless OKC makes the conference finals and gives Golden State a good run. You know, like at what point is he almost <laughs> obligated to, to run it back? Yeah, I think I think that's the case. Like you make the conference finals and the I mean, the money is so stupid now that like two years for him, he can make like 
50 million, 60. Right. That's not even a concern anymore. You're not necessarily loading up for that five year deal. Yeah. And so then you can kind of do what you want to do for t- like, mm-hmm. you know, stay in OKC. Right. And we've seen, I mean, Durant's been on those deals. LeBron's been on those deals. It's not uncommon. Yeah. But I don't know if I was LA. I mean, to me, this is actually really interesting for me. I'm just looking at the standings right now. Did not realize Memphis is in last place They're in the West. Quite bad. And so if Memphis wanted to like just, I mean, they have the ability to just completely, like they could trade Gasol and Tyreek Evans, get stuff back for that, and then also take on Luol Deng's contract and get one or more of those three players from the Lakers. And then they could just have this, I mean, they would be, I mean, they'd be full on tank at that mm-hmm. point, but they would have, I mean, you could, you could maybe get, I don't want to say you could get all three of those guys. But you could probably get two of those three guys and Luol Deng, and then whatever you would get back for Tyreek Evans or Marcus Gasol theoretically, right. and you would like jump start your rebuild immediately. Yeah, and that would be huge in my opinion. Yeah, well, and even I don't know what they have for room right now with Gasol and Conley there, but theoretically, if they if they were to absorb you know Deng and whoever else uh, from the Lakers, you don't necessarily have to deal calmly and or Gasol you know you no. could kind of be like all right now we got one one or two more pieces and then we'll hope everybody's healthier next year and Memphis is one of the few teams I could see giving that approach a shot just because of their kind of unique situation as a you know not necessarily a basketball first city but a city that's had some mild success for the last decade and, uh and the other th- or go ahead I was gonna say and the, well the I mean the problem for me with them is that Parsons contract is like it's that that's crippling Yep. Like they have they have Conley, Parsons, and Gasol basically under contract. Conley's at making thirty two million in twenty nineteen twenty. Parsons is at twenty five million that year, and Gasol, who has a player option that year, is at twenty five. And so I don't like. Are you convinced that you can sign enough enough people at just below market value to be competitive? Like with the with Parsons, I just yeah. like, do you just. Well, the other thing too is they don't they don't necessarily have their first rounder in 2019. So is, if they if they decide to tank next year, their pick is only protected for the top eight. So they better really tank, or or they yeah. give it or they give it to Boston. Okay. And then that that those protections escalate. It's top six protected in 2020, and if it still hasn't conveyed by that point, it's completely unprotected in 2021. So if if they decide to like halfway go for it next year, kind of like they did this year, and they finish, they get the ninth pick, you know, nothing comes of it. Yeah, and it's obviously easy for me to sit here and say they should just blow the whole thing up and take right. on Luol Deng's contract and not never <laughs> or never play Chandler Parsons right. or play him so much that his knees explode. Like, like, but I just don't know like what's going to make you a better team in three years or five years mm-hmm. or something like that. I feel like it would just be. And obviously the city, I mean, they, you know, the only, really the only remnants of the grit and grind team are Marcus all and Mike Conley and everyone else is just like some mm-hmm. people they've acquired since they got rid of Tony Allen. And so it's like, this isn't even really the same team as it has been. It just happens to mm-hmm. have like two of the, two of the stars on it who have been there, but Boston did the same thing. They flipped, they flipped all their like franchise cornerstones for the past, yep. you know, the, the time that they were there and they've ended up making out like bandits yeah. now that's obviously an extreme exception. right well then now they, they need to find their brooklyn who's willing yeah. to who's willing to take all those guys on and just hand back their treasure trove of picks right um other trade news the mark stein which it's weird to refer to him as new york times writer mark stein yeah. uh, but he tweeted this morning that the the pistons have joined the utah jazz as what now kind of seem to be the two front runners for nikola miritich who i believe 
contractually cannot be traded until January 15th for some reason. Uh, rules rules against players who resign oh, and yeah. things like that. But once January 15th passes, you know, both sides have kind of skirted around this, but it sounds like Miritich is totally okay with being traded. Yeah. I think the Bulls, despite how well he's played, that's kind of gone against what they're trying to do this season. And if anything, has kind of helped his trade value. So it seems like we're moving toward a situation in which Miritich is traded. I don't know if it'll be on January 15th or it'll be later. Uh, but Pistons and, and, and the Jazz, are, both of those, I guess, makes make sense. I mean, the Pistons have certainly struggled to find offense on the wing. Yeah. And John Luer, not that he would have been that guy, but he's been hurt for like two months. Stanley Johnson hasn't really taken that step. You know, it's been Reggie Bullock lately. Right. And Miritich, I think, would help them, and, and certainly he would help Utah as well. Yeah, I would – I theoretically, I'd like – like Tobias Harris and Miritich next to each other in a starting lineup. That's a lot of good floor spacing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're both just good scorers in general. They both can shoot from the outside and they can do work inside, like a little post up. They can drive. So I think that would, you know, help their team be more dynamic. I don't know who they would give up. Like, I think Avery Bradley's an expiring and they could maybe throw yeah. Avery Bradley. He's, he's a name that I've seen mentioned on Twitter. And so, but I think it would probably just end up being like, you know, Bullock, Stanley Johnson, and like picks or something. Um, I yeah, I mean it's hard to gauge Miritich value, right? Like he he really wasn't good until the last like three weeks, right? Like to me, trading Avery Bradley for him seems crazy because like in my mind, Avery Bradley is a much better player. I but mean, contract wise, yeah, well, Bradley's year hasn't been true, great. Yeah, and the one well, the Pistons do have a lot of those type of guys, you know, Bradley, yeah. Stanley, Bullock, Kennard. You know, they're a little overstocked with capable two threes. Yeah, and so. You know, and they're they're in a solid like spot in the in the standings, right? You know, so where are they right now? Right now they're tied for sixth, um, same record as Milwaukee, um, essentially the same record as Washington and Miami. So I mean, if they can upgrade their team, you know, they would. They're trying to basically cement the fact that they could be the five seed, right? Um, and then <laughs> you know, which we all know how that goes in the East, right? But, um, and Utah, Utah to me is kind of like it's almost the same situation as the Clippers where it's like, are they tanking? Are they rebuilding? Are they going for it? So, yeah, they're in a unique spot just in terms of like, like the ideology for the season. It's kind of this, you know, I wouldn't say revenge isn't the right word, but you know, I I think, I don't think that, right. I don't think it's, you know, it's like anti Gordon Hayward necessarily or aimed at Gordon Hayward, but I think there's something to, something to the effect of what we saw from OKC. And obviously that was different because they still had Russ, but it was like a, okay, we lost this guy, but that doesn't mean we're just going to fold. You know, it's like, I think they kind of wanted, if the playoffs are a real possibility for them, which they are, I mean, they're what, four games out right now, four and a half behind the eight seed Pelicans. I think they would go for it. You know, I I think there's something, they want to show this fan base that, you know, it wasn't just about Gordon Hayward and certainly the emergence of, of Donovan Mitchell, has helped that yeah and if you're trading for Miritich to me that means that you're you're going for it which you know in their case means you're going for the seventh or eighth seed unless um I don't know I was just looking at I was like I don't know who they'll give up for I mean like Alec Burks like are you just looking at like Burks and picks or like maybe they would just give them favors and yeah you know I I don't know if you're going if you're going to try to make the playoffs I don't know that you trade favors and right. And what about Exum? Is that the guy? You, uh, if you're Chicago, like, do you want Exum or is he too too damaged at this point? I wouldn't even because if like I feel like if I was Chicago, I was like, well, I have Chris Dunn and Zach Levine. 
True. Like I feel like I wouldn't need Exum. And yeah, and you got I mean you got Valentine and other guys who for right. what they are are decent. You know, yeah, they can be ball handlers and everything like that. So yeah, that's that's fair. I, and so maybe like Utah, I don't know. Maybe they think just getting rid of favors for Miritich would just be an upgrade to their team, other than the fact they would have essentially no yeah. center while Gobert is out. What about like a 2019 first protected, you know, one through 20 or something like that? Yeah, or even a I 2018 could, first. I could see. I think if you're giving up a first for Miritich, it has to be protected. He's not that good. No, he's not. Yeah, he's not good enough. He's just, not that good, and the Jazz aren't guaranteed to be good enough that that pick isn't like number eight. Right. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, it's it it's interesting in itself that Miritich is playing well enough that he's like one of the top three trade chips right now. Uh, that's kind of been a, a positive development, I guess, for Chicago. Uh, okay, before we wrap up injury stuff, uh, and I guess we'll get to All Star quick. Zach Levine will be this is for sure he's coming back Saturday that's what they said okay yeah good I mean there were rumblings I think over the weekend that that he was gonna kind of have his final sit down with the Bulls and the medical staff and everybody and that happened last night so yeah I've, I've kind of been off Twitter for most of the morning no, but he's officially back on he's Saturday playing, he's playing Saturday 20 <clears throat> minutes that's what it 20 minutes like. all right excellent so that'll be cool haven't yeah, seen Zach, we haven't seen Zach Levine play basketball in a long time. He's fun. No, I'm excited for that. Hopefully, they said he was doing like windmills and like between right. the legs dunks and practices since like I mean like a week ago or something yeah. like that. So he's fine. Right. Know? Well, he's been practicing with Windy City for a couple weeks. Yeah. I think Jabari's been in the same in the same boat. I mean, they tore their ACLs what within a couple weeks of each other last I, year. I think so. Yeah. I think they were they were Jabari's was definitely before the All Star break, and I'm pretty sure Levine's was as well. Um, so we should be seeing Jabari back anytime. I mean, I, that, that honestly crazy. could be any time, especially yeah. with the way the Bucks <laughs> handled. Like, I, I would not be surprised if we get out of the studio and he's starting tonight <laughs> or starting tomorrow. I mean, um, so Levine's back Saturday. Isaiah Thomas came back, mm-hmm. uh, man, last Tuesday, I guess a week ago against About Portland. Week, sat out. Yeah, it was Tuesday. Sat out that Wednesday game in Boston. Played well over the weekend. He's yeah. taking like 22 shots per 36 minutes so far, which is, I think, in my mind, a good sign. Like, he looked... He looked like he was just playing his normal game that first yeah. game out against Portland. Like he took five shots in the first like two minutes. And I think honestly that's I've watched a lot of Cavs basketball this year, and that is what that team needs. Yeah, someone just to shoot when they're open and like not be afraid to like just be aggressive and like force something to happen when LeBron right. James isn't the one with the just ball. Someone to play make. I mean, Dwayne yeah. Wade can do it like every few games, so he'll have a nice, a nice time. But like I, I watched that full Boston game and like the second unit just got nothing it wasn't even like they were missing shots they just weren't even getting looks there was no offense you know I mean Jeff Jeff Green Kyle Korver guys like that they're they're fine players but they're good they're good to be on the receiving ends of passes you know they're not the guys you want making the play to set up the pass and that's what was happening and I think yeah they're going to start Isaiah and he's going to play a ton with LeBron but his biggest impact is going to be you know those 10 to 12 minutes a game when LeBron's not on the floor you know, him having the ball in his hands for what you would think would be most of that time is going to be huge. Yeah, it's to me, it's just going to be like a different version of what they did with Kyrie Irving. Like, yeah. he's just a complete, he's like a different player, but I think it's going to be the same, like, theoretical right. concept. Like, let's play this guy as much as we can when LeBron is not playing also. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to look a lot like that, too, where, you know, it's not like Kyrie was handing out 10 assists a game in, no, in those Thomas type of minutes. It. Like, no, it's going to be the, it's going to be him as him as the number as the number one the number one scoring. Hopefully he's dishing off to someone who's going to score. And, you know, it's too small of a sample size to see how this is really going to work. But I think you have to at least be encouraged by how he's looked physically. 
oh yeah he looks fine like, yeah he, and he, he even admitted like he has no lift but he, he looked like he had plenty of lift yeah. to me i mean he had a, you know the kind of a vintage it and one against portland where he's you know he's getting hit in midair he's basically at like a 90 degree angle flipping <laughs> it up like i mean he, may, he makes things happen i've never been the biggest it fan but I, I don't think there's anyone out there who doesn't respect what he's able to do at that size. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's how I feel, too. But every time I watch him, he does something just ridiculous. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I get it now. Like, having this guy on your team, you would want this guy on your team, mm-hmm. theoretically, even though, like, he has his obviously defensive issues. Right. But, like, he's such a good scorer. Yep. Yeah, I mean, for what you lose in, like, you know, clutch killer ability with Kyrie, I, you know, that's kind of the one spot where he can match up with him. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not... You know, I, I think the size issue in terms of what he's able to do getting his own shot, you know, is is you know, Kyrie's clearly better at that. But you know, there's there's very few players who you would trust to to take as some of the big shots that Kyrie's taken over the years. And I think all things considered, you know, you'd rather have Kyrie, but but I think it's going to be end up doing a, a pretty nice job in Kyrie's place over the second half of the year. Okay, before we talk about All Star stuff to wrap up, we need to talk about drafteasy.com we you and i know how frustrating it can be to play in dfs tournaments only to be dominated week in and week out by sharks like alex and pro players did you know that 91 percent of the money is won by one percent of the players that seems really high well now we found a way a new daily fantasy game where you actually have a chance to win with drafteasy.com's rapid fire game all you do is pick which player in five two-player matchups you think will score the most fantasy points, get four out of five right, and you triple your money. It's draft easy, no salary caps, no math, no competition, just you against the house. Sign up at drafteasy.com now with promo code ROTOWIRE. That will get you a free shot at $50. And for ROTOWIRE users, you get at least one pick right, and you score $20 for free. Plus, in the month of January, draft easy has a crazy match deposit bonus that's their words this is a crazy match deposit bonus with no drip i don't know what that means up to a hundred dollars go now DraftEasy.com. fantasy sports made easy what is no what is no drip i don't know okay well there's no drip if you know what that means then then i guess you know maybe you're probably going to be excited about that no drips on this place okay let's talk real quickly um all-star first voting returns came back literally like three and a half minutes after James and I finished up recording on Thursday. <laughs> I think I care far more about this than anyone else in the office, certainly more than James does. Um, this is really interesting, right? I don't, how can people not find this interesting? Who, Which fan bases show out? Which random players are in the top 10 that that shouldn't be? Uh, we don't have a, a Zaza Pachulia, unfortunately, this year. Uh, there are no players playing fewer than like 15 <laughs> minutes a game that crack the top 10. But Looking at both these lists, uh, the NBA published the top 10 vote getters for the front court and the guards in each conference. What what surprised you the most? Guys who should have gotten more votes, guys who didn't get enough votes, or I guess those are the same thing. Guys who got too many votes. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, sorry, this page is not loading correctly. You don't have them memorized? I don't actually have serious? them memorized. Okay, well then I, I have the page up. Oh wait, I'm going to all right, I got it. All right. Enos Cantor at 9 in the front court. That's exactly what I was going to say. A little surprising. And like listen, I respect Enos Cantor. He's done he actually he has he's played really well in a lot. He hasn't of been games. an all-star though. He hasn't been an all-star. He's been a great offensive rebounder. Um but yeah, I I think he's the he's the number one guy I point to. I don't know why. He's only I mean he's only getting 3,000 less votes than Andre Drummond, uh, which seems absurd to me um 
you know, Isaiah Thomas is at seven. He had he's played four games. Um, and at the time that this was released, he had he even did he play? He, play one he game? played one game. Okay. Well, I, he was can, coming off of a big DNP against the Celtics. Yeah. So you can clearly see, you know, you, you could just feel that he was an all star immediately and that he deserved it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, no issues there. Dwayne Wade, uh, one spot yeah. ahead of Isaiah Thomas. Dwayne Wade, one spot ahead, but like Dwayne Wade pulls 80, fan votes, votes like none other. And so does Carmelo too. He he's seventh among front court players out west. And like he I don't well. I really don't care. Like it's kind of funny to laugh at that stuff, you know, like Melo's not gonna make it, Wade's not gonna make it. It's just it's more of a slap in the face to the guys below them who shouldn't be below them. Like Brad Beal has been awesome this year, and he has almost a hundred thousand votes fewer than Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Kyle Lowry has like eighty thousand fewer. Um, you know, John Wall's barely ahead of Dwayne Wade. Like Wizards fans, what are you doing? Raptors fans, just because the All-Star game's not in Toronto doesn't mean you don't have to vote. LaMarcus Aldridge, he'll probably be an All-Star, and he's 10th in the West among frontcourt guys. Yeah, there's it's weird. They've they've made there's so many different ways to vote for All-Star that it like it confu- it like overwhelms me. It's like well, yes. you can vote like on the website or on the app or Facebook or Twitter in. or Google search or yeah, Alexa. Right. Like I like I maybe How many I'm people old are school? voting via Alexa? I that's what this page says. Like, what do you say? Like, Alexa. To vote, vote via, for Johnny O'Brien. The user must have an Alexa-enabled device. Enable the NBA All-Star skill to submit a vote. The user can open with Alexa, open NBA All-Star, and then request a vote for his or her player of choice. Voters can submit a maximum of one player. I mean, like, I'm just imagining just I'm sitting at home, and I'm just like, I think I'm going to vote for John Wall. And I'm just like, Alexa, John Wall, the All-Star game. I would like to – they should release the percentages of, like – of where these votes are coming from yeah i feel like most it has to be like 80 percent twitter if not i more. would imagine because you all see t- like teams do it right. and they're like retweet this right and i was thinking about that the other day and it's like you know some of those will get a couple thousand retweets if it's the team official account you know that tweets a highlight of Giannis throwing down a huge dunk and then just throws nba vote yep. at the bottom and that gets five thousand retweets like that doesn't seem like that many but you do that you know Every five day. times <laughs> in a month and then you have you know, hundreds of other random tweets that are picking up between 10 and 300 retweets like that actually does add up fairly quickly. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I mean, I'm sure you remember too. I mean, it's not like, it's not like you have to be super young to remember this, but like you would go to the stadium and they'd like, you literally fill out a ballot yeah. a- and put it physically in there. And that was like one of the two ways to vote. The other way was like, yeah. you go to NBA.com and you hit enter on a player's yep. name. And it's like, that's how you vote. And you get like one. Yeah, some yeah, I think they used to send out votes. I used to be like a Slam magazine subscriber. I think sometimes they would like send out a leaflet in there or ESPN the magazine, some sort of magazine. You have to mail the votes in. Yeah. This was not that long ago. No. And even I mean, all, all this Twitter stuff has only started a couple of years ago, right? It used to yeah. be you had to go to like NBA.com yep. and check you know, kind of do a checklist. And I feel like that's that's fine. I yeah, I I don't even I don't know mm-hmm. what to make of it. Well, I'll get into a lot more depth with James on this, but by I mean other surprise, I thought Lonzo would have more votes. I Me thought too. I thought like like no matter what, and I said this at the beginning of the year, whether he was bad or good, I thought he was just he was going to like lead the West in votes just because people <laughs> are so crazy about him, and he's eighth, you know, which is yeah. which is fine, but he has you know far fewer votes than like Kawhi, Melo, Towns, Kuzma, even Mongo Ginobili, yeah. Ginobili, that's an interesting one. Is this is this like a dark horse? Get him to the All Star game because it might be his last year thing. I think it's like a home country thing, 
right? Is he Argentinian? He is. Okay, I, th- I assume that's that's kind of like what happened with the Zaza thing, and it's I think Giannis to some extent is getting oh, that too. Oh yeah. So not that Giannis doesn't deserve it, but it's surprising that he has the most votes out of everyone over LeBron, over Curry. I mean, Curry's yeah, Curry Curry's LeBron. probably bigger than LeBron internationally. Yeah. So that that was surprising as well. Kyrie having more than Curry is interesting too. That is yeah, that's weird to me. I would have thought there. I mean, Curry the last couple of years has just kind of cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the the China vote. Um, big discrepancy between Durant at one in the West front court and Davis at two. Right, you know, three hundred and some thousand votes between them. What about Embiid and Simmons? So Embiid's third in the front court for the East. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think kind of him and Porzingis are two guys that probably benefit most from the fan vote. Mm-hmm. Um, Not that they don't deserve to be right, three and four. right, right. But you know, I mean, if you're t- like. People that really make you, that compel you to tweet about them yeah. needing to get to the All-Star game or compel you to talk to your little Alexa thing, I think they do that. I mean, Oladipo, third among guards in the East, which is right. I just, I'm kind of surprised that... People you know, recognize that, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. I kind of thought it would take a little bit for people to recognize that. But yeah, so like I said, we'll get into, uh, into more depth with this on Thursday. Anything else you want to hit on before we wrap it up? Um... Uh, nothing major. The Heat have been playing really well. I think they're eleven and four over their past fifteen games. Whiteside being back has helped. They're finally playing him and Olenek together. Um, they kind of have the rotation that I imagined that they would have. Like Sands, Deion Waiters, because he's he's mm-hmm. that ankle is really just messed up. Um, there's a chance he like <clears throat> might not play the rest of the season. That wouldn't surprise me. They, there's two times now they've sent him for second opinions, and like he's like openly said, like, yeah, I'll probably need surgery this summer. Mm-hmm. It's worrisome. It is worrisome. Um, yeah, that's that's really about all that's like, you know, on the top of my head, other than just my constant frustration with the Bucks, but that's mostly a homerism thing. Yeah, they, they're kind of in that, you know, string together two nice wins and then get blown out at home. Yeah. It's, that's, it's that part of the season right now. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.